0: The the different items that a person who believes in God is then required to apply that belief in God in the form of trust in God really incorporates two categories of, of things. In other words, what the, uh, what the author here is saying is, again, reiterating the concept from before, that bitachon is not possible, trusting God is not possible with first believing that there is a God. And that, uh, this God has the ability to know what's going on, and he has the, and he is in fact involved in his world. And obviously, based upon our essential belief in God, we can then proceed to the next step and talk about trusting God. So therefore here, without reviewing everything that we did in the first session, the author immediately says, and the person who believes in God, how many different places can he apply that belief in God in terms of trusting God? This can really be broken down, the application of the belief in the form of trust can be broken down into two into two areas one of the areas is trusting God in regards to things with which involve this world the world in which we live in the Hashani and the second olam the second area or the second type of trust type of area that we could trust God would be in the area that regards the world to come in other words there are certain elements that are unique to this world and I have to trust God that they're going to happen for me in this world and there are certain elements which I have to trust God will happen for me in Olam Haba in the world to come and he's going to explain this and he, he makes somewhat of a chart of this it sounds a little bit complicated but it's really very simple divrei Olam if you want to take the first type the application of trust in regards to this world we could subdivide the applications of trust in this world into two categories what would those two categories be, be? one of them would be all of the areas of trust in God for the purposes of the benefits of this world for this world the my trust in God for things to happen in this world that will ultimately benefit me in the world to come in other words if you would want to make it at the top of your page what you would do is you'd write the word talking at the top of the page trust in God and then you would draw a line two slanted lines and you would write under one olam hazeh, olam haba applications of trust in this world applications of trust in, in the next world alright which we'll explain. Now, under the applications of trust in God in this world, we would subdivide it. My trust in God in in this world for the things that I need of this world and trust in God as in my life in this world for the things that I do here that will benefit me in the next world. Now, for instance, let me give you an example of this. I can trust God that he's going to feed me. That's a trust in God of Olam hazeh for Olam hazeh. I can trust God that he'll give me a business. That's a trust in God in this world for this world. I can trust God that he will give me provisions to be able to sustain a wife or a husband and children. That's a trust in God in Olam hazeh for Olam Hazer, Right. So those would be three of the examples of Olam hazeh for Olam hazeh then you can have other examples you can have a trust in God that I will be able to perform mitzvot, I would be able to perform the mitzvot that Hashem wants me to do in order that I should be able to develop spiritually and reach olam haba right? now, that itself breaks itself down the mitzvah that I have trust in God that God will make, me, will make me capable of doing where I don't need the assistance of another person it's a mitzvah between me and God or there's a second category where I have to have trust that God will give me the ability to do the mitzvah and he will show me the person with which, with which I do the mitzvah. In other words, to say Shema and to daven, I don't need anybody's help. I daven myself and I trust God that God will give me the, the ability to, to learn how to daven. That's a trust in God in this world for next world. Uh, I trust God that God will show me where to give my tzedakah. That's already a trust in God for me to perform the mitzvah, but that I will also find the appropriate recipient. If there's no recipient, I can't do the mitzvah. So that's a separate category. But all of those things which I've just gone through are applications of trusting God in the world that I live in today. To live, to survive, to be able to have a parnosah, to have a business, and to acquire additional possessions to be able to sustain family and children. To do mitzvahs that I do by myself and to do mitzvahs that I need other people in order to perform the mitzvahs. So all of those areas, which if you count them up are five altogether, those are all under the category of olam hazeh. Under trust in God in order to function in this world. Uh, Again, we'll just go through them. Human survival, the ability to acquire possessions, which is not necessarily human survival, but additional possession on life. And number three, to be able to sustain family, relatives, and the rest, and my relationships with others. Right. Then you have the two areas of Hazel which pertain to the world to come, which is the performance of mitzvot that don't need anybody's help except my own Participation. Number two, the mitzvah, which I do, where I not, not only have to trust that Hashem will let me do the mitzvah, but Hashem will also give me the proper person with which to do the mitzvah. Right? So those are all areas of Olam Hazeh. And he's going to break this down. Let's see it inside now. Okay? The fourth line. The Inyane Ha'olam, the, the, uh, in regards to this world, for the purposes of this physical world, and it will break itself into three parts which I just explained one of them will be the end of the, the fourth line I'm sorry in, the, in this text it's the, the end of the fifth line one of them will be the trust that I have in God that he will take care of my survival as a human being Right? the bearest of survival the Hasheni and the second area within Olam the To'eles Tirfo uh, that God will take care of the purposes of my sustenance the Sibas Hainai and the causes that will assist me in acquiring possession and all of the different types of possessions the Hashlishi and the third area which is also related to the physical world that I will be able to uh, provide for the purposes of my family the ishtai and my wife and my relatives and how I relate to both the people that like me and the people that dislike me which is a major major area of how we have to apply trust in other words how much do we trust the person that loves us how much do we mistrust the person that hates us and dislikes us and how do we? How does this all jive with our trust in God? This, this we'll see. Right? But these are the three areas: dearest of human survival, the acquisition of possession, and number three, my ability to provide for other members of household, friends, relatives, and my relationships with all forms of people above me, under me, people I like, people I dislike. Right? Now the inyaneha alam. Umisha who Menu, excuse me, and the people that are above me, or the Menu and under me in status, Mikita spanay adam, all of the different forms of people. How do I relate to them? How much do I hope in them? How much do I count on them? How much do I not count on them? The balance between trusting them and trusting God. All of these situations. Right? Obviously, one of the, the one of the uh, areas of most concern is when somebody's threatening you in a certain way uh, to financially ruin you or whatever way possible like how much do we have to be concerned with such a threat and how much do we say that it's all by God and what God wants is going to happen in other words the balance between how much we're concerned the interplay between people and how much comes directly from God and how to balance that that's what he's going to deal with in that third area that's a very very complicated area of how to sort that out Right? But those are all three areas in this world for the purposes of existence in this world. Then the inyani ha'olam Then you have the um, the applications of trust in this world, which are ultimately for the benefit of the world to come. And that That divides itself into two parts. Echad mehem the first area is that of the obligations of one's heart and of one's physical functioning, in which I am the sole participant in those mitzvot. You're commanded to love God. Nobody else can, you can't love God with somebody else. I mean, that's a mitzvah which is a personal mitzvah. And then there are mitzvahs which you do personally, all by yourself. Right? And, the se- and the second part that we do physically that I am not capable of doing them that I need another person's partnership so I can do and the other person can affect can be affected by what I've done right? as giving charity or acts of loving kindness where there has to be an appropriate person on the other end, and to learn wisdom, and to direct people to do the correct thing, and to keep people away and to warn people about not doing incorrect things. That's, that's an interreaction. That's an interplay. You need people to listen. You need people to receive that. All right. So now basically, what have we done? The applications of trust in Olam Hazeh, in this world, are five. Three of them are directly for the benefits of Olam Hazeh, and two of them are for the benefits ultimately of Olam HaBah. Right? So we have five altogether. Now, what was the second whole category? The trust in God as it relates completely to Olam HaBah, to the world to come. Now, what kind of trust do we have in God as it relates totally to the world to come? So he says. <laughs> Our trust in God as it applies to the world to come can also be broken into two parts. What are they? Echad mehem hagmul haroi, trusting God that in the world to come I get that which is appropriate for me to receive, if it's in terms of reward or if it's in terms of punishment. Vahashani, and the second trust that I have in God in in regards to the world to come, shu mechesten habari yuzbarach ala chasidim lahaneviyim la'olam haba. But I have trust in God that in the world to come, God showers upon those that are righteous and did their best in this world, even beyond what they deserve to receive by virtue of their actions in this world. Right? So the tr- my trust in God in regards to the world to come is, one, that God will pay back every person appropriately for what they did in this world, to the measure of their deserving. And number two, that God even pays back for good, not for bad, but for good, God pays back even beyond the measure of man's deserving in the world to come. For those people who are the Hasidim and the the righteous people and the prophets that work diligently for the benefit of, of advancing God's hopes and goals for the world. And that I trust that God is sensitive to those people that assume those responsibilities and... Re- richly rewards them even beyond what they literally deserve in terms of their human actions in this world now that 7th category is a bit complicated and confusing and by all means it should be left for the end exactly what that concept of the chesed habore in olam Habo is all about, the loving kindness beyond human deserving In the world to come, will leave for them, because obviously there's always the question: if it's beyond human deserving, so how does it, how is it justified? If you deserve it, you get it, and if you don't deserve it, you shouldn't get it. And if God's underlying conduct is total justice and total truth, how do we comprehend the concept of a person being repaid even for good? Certainly not for bad, but for good beyond that which he deserves. What that, what is that supposed to mean? So that will leave this is an introduction to the chapter obviously we're not going to get delve into it in great depth at this point uh, now Vihine and behold just in case you're confused by this point he's just going to summarize everything that he said right? and we're eight nine lines before the bottom of the paragraph third word on the line Vihine kol hadvarim shebaichim bahem is barach shivachalakim Behold, everything that we believe in God as it applies to our life adds up to how many parts? Adds up to seven parts altogether. And he's going to list them out. Echad mehem, Echad mehem, The first one, inyani gufa'ad and belvad. The physical survival of the human being onto himself. Ba'asheni, number two, inyani ha'inai everything in regards to his possessions, the Sibis Tirfei, and his ability to acquire possessions. Number two. hashlishi. number three, Inyani ishta Yovanov, how he relates and provides and deals with wife, children, relatives, loved ones, and ones that he does not like. That's the third area. Vaharavi, in the fourth application, Chavos the obligations of heart and physical functioning, in terms of mitzvah that he himself is uniquely affected or hurt by their performance or lack of their performance and the fifth area the physical functioning of mitzvah that their benefit or lack of benefit are carried over to another person as well the sixth area is believing and trusting God in terms of the rewards of the world to come. That will be measured by the degree of act activity in this world. And the final area of bitach of trust, the rewards of the world to come. That will come from God through the paths of loving kindness. For the ones that are most treasured in God's eyes. And this is what the Pasuk says, How great is the good that you have hidden away for the ones that hold you in awe and respect. That you created for the ones that trust in you right, before all others. Okay. So basically, this is a paragraph of introduction. And basically, what he's saying over here is that he's just trying to categorize all of the different areas that have to be examined individually and how we apply the concept of trust in each one of these areas. Now, just before we begin the first area, which is the area of human, the human being's single, solitary survival as a human being without any of his connections to anything, my own barest survival as a person, Right. I want to point out that the great challenge that lies in the definition of each and every one of these areas is in the tenuous balance between how much I am required to do how much and what my attitudes should be in terms of my obligations to do and how much I clasp my hands together and I say the rest is up to you in other words trust is not one of these ridiculous things where the person just becomes a mummy and everything's supposed to happen. On the other hand, for the person to assume that everything virtually happens by his own hustling and bustling and it's all up to him and God has no part in it at all is also not true. That's what the whole concept of trust is all about. The philosophy of trust speaks of the fact that the source is God, but man has to create the channels by which that which was already predetermined flows in a natural way to the person. So the challenge always to a person in all of the areas of human behavior is what is considered a reasonable assumption of the obligation of establishing channels and how much do I stand back and say I've done my part in terms of the establishment of channels and what will happen will happen And what was determined to happen will happen, and what wasn't determined to happen won't happen no matter what more I will do. So that tenuous balance between my own responsibility and my own efforts and the degree that I, so to speak, say it's bashert, it was meant to be the tenuous balance between the two is the challenge in each one of these areas, how to apply it. And here we begin with the very first one. And just before we look at the first one, let's try to think to ourselves right? let's try to think to ourselves what our attitude would be. Beer human survival. Right? My survival so that from the time that I'm born to the time that I leave this world I survive with no connections, no ties no interactions with any, my beerest human survival. Now, there would be an argument to say there would be an argument to say that the barest of human survival is totally my obligation completely my own obligation God was good enough to bring me here which itself some people would argue about but God was good enough to bring me here the least commitment that I should have is that I should make sure to keep myself going, in other words God brought me here, God did his part and the next part of my barest human survival in terms of enough food to eat shelter, shelter, clothes, and the barest of human survival and human needs, that's my own concern. That's my own, completely my own worry. The barest of existence, that's my personal responsibility. So the Chalvis HaVavah says that's a half-truth. It's only half-truth. Because the barest of human survival, while it definitely demands from me the most critical kind of, of obligation to make my survival happen at the same time my survival is the greatest gift that God gives me in other words, the dearest of human survival I could at the same time assume is what God guarantees to me in other words, if God brought me here, I have reason to believe that I basically have a guarantee from God, and that's the most reasonable area to trust God. Now, if the question is, should I trust God, that God is ultimately going to give me three cars and two yachts and five vacations a year, maybe yeah, maybe not. I don't need that for my survival. It's something that I would like to have. So for a person to say, I'll trust God, that God is going to give it to me, if, I, if, I, if I'm meritus of it, no. Who says so? Who says that in God's eyes, these are important things that I should now be trusting that I'm going to receive them. But when it comes to human survival, when it comes to life, the barest of existence, that's extremely important in God's eyes. My life is the most cherished thing in God's eyes. So here we have a very interesting situation. We have a situation where on the one hand I have reason to believe that I have a guarantee to my survival and that God wants me to exist. That's the thing that's most cherished in God's eyes to man, is that Hashem wants the life of a person. That's why He brought him here. So, on the one hand, I have tremendous certainty and tremendous trust that if I was brought here, I was brought here for a purpose, and Hashem wants me here, and He'll make me be able to survive. But at the same, by the same token, I also have the greatest degree of responsibility to uh, create the channels for that survival so you have both sides to their extreme that's where I know with a certainty that, that Hashem, with an almost certainty that Hashem definitely wants me to and it's completely, I'm completely in the hands of Hashem the same way that I, my coming into this world was completely in the hands of Hashem my day-to-day survival is completely in the hands of Hashem the gift of life is only given by God. So I know that that there is no way that if God wants me to die that I can stay alive and there's no way that I can die if God wants me to stay alive the, or vice versa. Uh, both ways is true that if, I, if, if God wants me to die I won't be able to stay alive and if God wants me to stay alive I won't die. I know that with a certainty. It's completely in God's hands. But nevertheless, the opposite is also true that with all of that certainty that it's completely in the hands of Hashem my human survival is my greatest obligation being that I know that, that it's completely in the hands of Hashem I then have to do my best to create the best channels for that to happen do you follow what I'm saying? in other words you have both at simultaneously being that it's completely in the hands of Hashem right, I have to now from my side right, do the best to establish the channels let me give you an example that will make it a little bit clearer. You'll see the difference. Let's say, let's say I want to go into a business deal all right, that's going to demand a lot of time and all it's going to do is going to give me petty cash, extra spending money. Right? Now, so what am I going to do? Do I know with a certainty that God wants me to have that extra petty cash? I don't know it with a certainty. Maybe God wants me to live very, very exactly for whatever reason God has in mind so I don't know it with a certainty and I don't know that this is completely what Hashem has in mind for me at all I don't know so now when I decide how much I'm going to give of myself to assume the channel I have to be very careful about it because who says that you should be spending so much time and energy in something that you don't have reason to believe that it was meant for you to begin with in other words in the area that I can assume that it was a gift that God gave me and God wants me to have it So I recognize that God gave it to me and I recognize that I have the fullest obligation to maintain that gift. So I have to keep myself alive. But when I'm talking about something that I don't know that that there isn't such a certainty that God wants me to have it, so now when I look at my own personal responsibility in establishing the channels for it, I have to question, who says that I should be spending so much time on something that I don't know to begin with that I should be running after? Right? And this is why the Chayvos Havavas says something which is very difficult to swallow, but the Chayvos Havavas says that when you deal with excesses of possession and what is not necessary for human survival, a person is not allowed to go beyond the energies that are necessary for what he really needs to exist. And anything more than that, if it was meant for him to have, he will get it within the channels that he's already established for his survival. And to see spend much time for the added things that I would like to have is a waste of time, the Chayros HaVavah says. Now, this needs a lot of amylization and needs a lot of discussion because what is defined as the barest of needs and what is defined as extras is in itself a very, very complicated area. What to one person is a luxury for another person might be a necessity and the opposite might also be true, right? The uh, the, the opposite might also be true. So that's a very complicated area, but basically what he says in the first area of the human survival, he recognizes the fact that his life is a gift, that it's completely in the hands of Hashem, and being that it's completely in the hands of Hashem, I know that what is meant for me to have, I will have, what is not meant for me to have, I won't have, if that's in my survival in terms of food, in terms of shelter, in terms of clothes, right? and the barest amount of money that I need to survive. So I know that it's completely in Hashem's hands. Once I know that it's completely in Hashem's hands, now I, as a person knowing that it's completely in Hashem's determination, I, knowing that it's completely in Hashem's hands, now do my very best to survive. I have every reason to assume that I have to work as hard as possible to create the channels necessary for that survival. Right. So you see the interesting balance that exists between the two. Now let's see it inside. The Kivan Shapirashti min Yesh'alai lahem now that I have given you all of the areas that the person who trusts God should be applying that trust, I will now give you the definition of the correct way, the right way, the straight way of applying the trust in each one of these areas. Now we're on the next page. say echad echad. And I will give you the applications of the the total and virtual trust in God and where my trust in God is complemented by other elements, which is the building of channels, right? This This is a very complicated line. He says, my trust in God and trust in others besides him. Now, we went through the entire philosophy of trust in the last semester And we know that ultimately there is only trust in God. So what does he mean when he says the trust in God and trust in another besides him? What is that supposed to mean? So that's explained by the commentaries, my trust in God, where I hold myself back and I say, now it's completely in your in your doings. And the trust in another fact that means the establishment of the channels by which Hashem gives to me. To what degree do I have to establish the channels? by working and by getting this job and doing this and calling up this person and that and the channels by which it comes naturally and how much I hold myself back and I say, now it's completely in your hands. Right? See, it's an interesting thing and we've discussed this in the past also. You know, The whole story of existence is not just self-determination. we could be extremely determined to do something and we can do our nth degree to get it done and then in the end it doesn't happen and anybody that denies that is just denying the reality of existence so there definitely is another dimension besides self-determination and conviction to get something done there is the will of Hashem of it happening or not happening no matter how determined I am there is always that second component right so at what point have, have I fulfilled my obligation in doing the maximum at which point I now stand fulfilled my obligation to make it happen completely right? and now it's completely up to Hashem right? or not and that's the concept that uh, he's saying here in this concept of Zulah's Okay. Now let's see the first application V'aymer v'perish and I will tell you in the definition and in the explanation of the first area, Vihubi Nyaniigufa Adden Bilvadd. And that is in the first area of the human being's physical survival. Now what is included in the physical survival of the human being? What's included? What is? Chaya Vaysa, life and death, Tarif la laatsmo the food that he needs for the barest of existence, malbushai, the clothes that he needs in order to protect him from the elements, diraso his shelter, bryasai his health and his sickness, Midosov and his personality. Right? and his, In other words, his psychological makeup. All of these areas fall under his survival as a human being. Now, And in any one of these areas, life, death, health, sickness, clothes, shelter, in all of these areas, my my personality, the health of my personality, in all of these areas, what is the right way, the, the, the straight way of applying the concept of trust in all of these areas the application is that the person throws himself and thrusts himself into God's lap and says I accept and I understand that everything that's happening to me in these areas, in these areas is by virtue of what you decree and what you want for me that the creator decreed of them for me the tip of Naf Shibilakimi is Allah, and he should have trust in God, the Yeda, and he and he should know and he should understand. That ultimately what happens to him in any one of these areas cannot happen to him if there wasn't a firm knowledge and decision on God's part for them to happen. Now and that's not terrible. In other words, my life, my death, my health, my sickness, if it wasn't the will of Hashem for it to happen, it wouldn't have happened. Shelter, lack of shelter, clothes, lack of clothes, all of these things, I know that they're virtually kulei Hashem, they're all in the hands of Hashem. Now, now I'm confronted. Now, when everything goes good, that's fine. But what happens when I don't have shelter? And what happens when I don't have when I don't have the, the clothes and when I don't have the food for the barest of survival. So what do I say when well, I don't have the health that I would like to have? So part of the application of trust is li <laughs> that that which is happening to me in either having or not happening is what is appropriate and proper for me for my benefit in this world and or in the world to come and that it's measured out by Hashem it's measured out by God in total consideration of the ultimate good for me now the, the, in total consideration of that which is ultimately good for me does not only span olam this world but very clearly the author says it could very well be that taking away certain essentials of human existence cannot be justified within the good of this person for his life in this world, but would be justified within the total context of his existence including Olam Haba that I have to go through certain things here in order that I should be able to be purified for the transition into Olam Haba which is a very interesting thing now what trust says is that I know it's all from Hashem and that there was a determination on Hashem's part for these things to happen or not to happen, and that I trust Hashem that he knows what's good for me. And the justification of that which is good for me is either justified within the context of my life here in this world, or will ultimately just be justified in the next stage of my existence in Olam Haba right? And the guiding light there are beautiful words here, the and God always looks for that which is the ultimate good in the end for the person. In other words, if God has a decision to make, this person deserves a certain amount of good, this person deserves a certain amount of pleasure, right? and, but I can give it to him here, or I can create it in a way that he'll get it later on in Olam HaBaq in the world to come right in the world to come which one God always makes the determination in the benefit of achriso of the end why in the end God only likes to pay at the end of the pay period no it has nothing to do with paying at the end of the pay period those payments and rewards that come in achris at the end are the true payments and the true rewards because this whole world is is not a real real world it's physical, it has limitations, the degree of pleasure, the extent of pleasure, the significance and the value of the pleasure is all limited. So when God makes a determination for the person, though the human being might not understand why he's being deprived of these good, goodies over here, so the Chalvet it says, V'yosir <speaking in Hebrew> tov Hashem always has in mind not the good of the person, but the best for the person. So though he might be he might be able to benefit from goodies here, but goodies is not enough by Hashem. Hashem works it out not to the good, but to the best. Not good or better, but best. And therefore the determination is not necessarily that you don't deserve this, but Hashem has something better in mind for you. Hashem has the best in mind for you. And that that being the criteria might postpone or might delay or might create conditions here for the ultimate benefit of that which is not good but best in in a later time either in this world or in (inaudible) Olam Haba (inaudible) now and God's involvement and conduct and intervention and ability in all of these areas are completely the same the same way that life and death is in God's hands My health and my sickness is in God's hands exactly with the same measure of ability. And my ability to find shelter and my ability to find clothes. God's hanhaga, God's involvement in those areas is virtually the same in all. Some people would be tempted to say life and death is in God's hands. Health and sickness is partly in my hands. And my shelter and my clothes is completely in my hands. So the Chayi V'Salvov says nothing doing in the same way that every moment of life right so that's what he's saying so the Chayi V'Salvov is saying that Hashem's the admission of Hashem's total involvement in all of those areas is identical to our admission to Hashem's involvement to the moment that I'm here to the moment that I'm not here in other words, people can sometimes understand that life and death is completely in Hashem's hands. But everything else, are, I have already something to do with it. right? No. Hashem's involvement in all of these areas is completely the same. Right? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I stand back and I don't do anything. Obviously not. That we're going to see next week that the Chavos HaVavos explains that there, I have an obligation to watch my health and so on and so forth, but never with the notion that it was given to me. In other words, the human that my survival and the condition of my human survival is completely in the hands of Hashem, and I have the fullest obligation to make the natural channels for that survival. But the concept isn't that Hashem gives me life and the quality of life is now or be yadi. Now it's given to me. No, the same way that life and death is completely in the hands of Hashem the quality of that survival of life is also completely in the hands of Hashem. We'll have to stop here because we're overlapping. What the Chavos HaVavos has, has told us up to this point is in terms of the application of trust in that first area, which is the area of basic human survival as an individual, not at all tied to anybody else's or responsibilities towards anybody else, but the Chavos HaVavos has said that a person has to understand and view that the issue of his survival as a a human being is something which is completely in the hands of God. Now what does that mean It's completely in the hands of God? In the same way that my coming into being in this world is something which was primarily a decision of God, though it might have taken certain channels in order for it to happen, biological channels for it to happen, so too my basic human survival after I, I am here I have to have an understanding that that is something which is completely in the hands of God now the reason why the Chalvas Havavis makes mention of this is because we'll see as we go through each and every one of these applications in, in a practical way that the Chalvas Havavis tries to preempt many of the notions that our tricky mind has in the way that we think about bitachon. See, when it comes to trust I have a very interesting <coughs> phenomena and that is that man is in constant struggle to a certain point to accept a concept of trust in God part of the, the human ego is to try as much as possible not to have to admit not to have to admit to the fact that there is a sense of dependence which I live with even if that dependence happens to be in an exalted God and while the person believes in God and the qualities of God and knows that after everything is said and done might come down to the result that, you know, it's what Hashem has in mind for me. I, I might have all of the amuna, and I have, might have the final bottom line in terms of bitachon. but between those two, the personality of man is very often in struggle, constantly in struggle. How much of it do I really have to accept? How much do I really have to live with it from moment to moment? And if I can seem to avoid it and not have to admit it every single moment of my life, how much better will I be? In other words, even though intellectually I accept it and I know it's the bottom line at the end, but I still try to get out the back door as much as possible and not have it, so to speak, steer me in the face from moment to moment. And being that this could be a part of the the psychology of the person, Deep down, certainly within the environment that we live in, and and the way the environment thinks about this, our society thinks about this. Therefore, man is always attempting to say, yes, I trust, but in this particular situation, there's an exemption. In this particular situation, I don't have reason to trust. Over here, it's really in my own. It's in. It's really in my own. It's in my own doing. And one of the areas which we might be tempted... and other words, were it not within the human personality for this struggle of the ego, the person that might not necessarily fall into all of these little pits, pitfalls along the way, and think, yeah, trust is true, but not in this circumstance. But being that there is this clash, there is this constant struggle and tension of the human ego versus uh, an admission of dependence on God... Therefore, wherever we can find a crack in the wall, where maybe, maybe, maybe over here it's my turf, and it's not God's turf, I'm going to be the first one to believe that it's my turf. And the first area in which we can make this, this mistake is, is very conceivably in terms of my own survival. I can think that all of the blessings of God and all of the additions and all of the luxuries and all of the cherry on tops of life those are things that God sees it or doesn't see it fit for me to have. I'm not necessarily supposed to take it for granted. And that I'll stand back and I'll say, God bless me. God give me the gift. But when it comes to survival, I can very religiously, with very religious con- c- conviction say, I have a commitment to, pre- to preserve that blessing of life. And this is an area that God has moved away from. and it said it's all yours. And you can do with this as you want, and the quality of it is totally given over to you. I might be tempted in assuming that my survival is such a heavy personal obligation that religiously God stands back and says, listen, I I did you one good, and I brought you here. Now make sure to stay here. And a person can try to conveniently move themselves into that kind of a niche not realizing that deep, deep down it's just another struggle of that personality and that ego of wanting to find, so to speak, a turf that's my own, that God is not, that God is not there as well. And therefore, the Chavos dealing with the application of trust on this first level of human survival says, no, 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 it's not that way. The same way that we recognize that the very existence of life, in my particular case, is something that came directly from God, its quality its health the basic needs of human survival are also transmitted by the same God and there's that same dependence upon God this is what he's, he's pointing to now but we need a balance for this because as much as the person has this concept that the same way that life and death is biyat Hashem is in the hands of God so are all of the qualities of food and shelter and health and all of that also in God's hands nevertheless the Imbirer and now we'll follow the text inside. The Imbirer and Munasa, and with his clarity of belief that the condition of his life on the level of basic, basic human need and human survival is given over to the decisions of God, and that God's choice for him is ultimately his best choice. He is now required to commit himself to establishing the most appropriate channels that he can understand for himself in order to acquire by natural means that which God wants to him to have in terms of food and shelter. Now, before we proceed into, into explaining what the Chavos Havavis is saying over here, there is one thing which I went over very quickly which is important which is important to make mention of and that is that in the very first line that I read I said something which is which is very interesting with his clarity of belief as to God's involvement and ultimate decision in the quality of his life even on the level of human need and survival he then says that a person should then proceed to do that which will assist create the normal channels for his existence and God will feed him through those normal channels. But there was one line which I skimmed over and that is the line which says -ah," And that God's choice for him is the best choice. So there are three items, not two items, that function within the first application of trust. The first one is that it's all in God's hands. The third one, which we're going to deal with shortly is that even though it's completely in God's hands I have an obligation to create the normal channels through which God will give this blessing that's number three but between those two there's a third and the third is the equilibrium between them and that is that the choices that God makes for me are the best choices for me or the correct choices for me even though I might not understand why it's the best thing for me at this particular point in time Now, this is a very interesting point because aside of the fact that it creates an equilibrium between the decree of God and my creating the channel... See, God decrees, but I have to create the channel. Now, what happens? I go and I attempt and I make the channel, but it doesn't work. So where am I then? How do I deal with it at that particular point? So at that particular point... So I ask myself the crap question, I scratch my head and I say, well, what, what, what went wrong? What went wrong? Uh, and there are, po- there are a number of possibilities. Maybe it's completely up to me and I just picked the wrong channel. Maybe it's up to God, but I picked the wrong channel. Right? That's another possibility. Right? So there, there, there are different ways of answering the question of what went wrong. I couldn't say that no it's completely up to me and I picked the wrong channel and because I picked the wrong channel that's why it didn't work All right. but then there's another step that you can take no it's not completely up to me God decides how much it's good for me to have and no matter what channel I'll create I'll still only get what, that which is good for me so what does that mean in other words integrating the concept of God decrees in my channel when I integrate both concepts together and it seemingly doesn't work for me so then where do I go If I integrate both together and I don't dismiss one at the expense of the... uh, dismiss one for the sake of the other, where does that leave me? That leaves me at the point of saying the following thing. Obviously, God has made a choice which I don't necessarily understand. And because God has made that choice, in spite of the fact that I've created the channel, it's not going to give me what I've determined is good for me. It will only give me what God has determined is good for me. That's integrating both together. It comes from God. I have a responsibility for the channel. Now, if both come together and it still doesn't work, I don't lay a trip on myself and say I chose the wrong channel or the whole thing is up to me and and therefore I didn't work hard enough. But knowing that it's an integration of both concepts together, God's decree plus my channel, I now have an ability to integrate both of them and say to myself that obviously God didn't want, in spite of the fact that I created the channel that I should have what I perceived as being the best thing for me at this particular point in time. Now, that's, that's the concept of equilibrium that exists between the two, between the concept of God's decree and my channel-making. But there is also another aspect here, besides the concept of equilibrium. And the other concept behind that is that long ago in the philosophy of trust, tapes ago, if one would want to say it that way, in science we would say like years ago but in th- these classes it's tapes ago we dealt with an interesting concept and that is that there's a relationship that's built between God and man by virtue of trust there's a relationship that's built right? and the measure of God's involvement in a person's life right, is, is really it's, it's almost like a cause and effect of the trust relationship what do I mean by that? just to, to briefly say it over again when a person ultimately trusts God right, the person then gets the ability to see how God is more involved the person gets an ability to understand more of God's involvement and God so to speak reveals himself to this person in a more particular way now the, there are many parts to this, to this concept but in a, in a general sense Trust becomes a working relationship. It becomes a working relationship. It's almost as if, like, when you have an office situation, you know, where there's a certain amount of jobs that have to get done, right? And the jobs are delegated. And in order for the office to run properly, I have to trust that as the jobs are delegated, each one is going to do their job and interface with everybody else, right? If I lack the ability to trust that you're going to do your part, which is contingent on mine, or mine is contingent upon yours, so then your office goes into a state of havoc because I don't know if the pieces are going to come together. In trust, it also works that way. In other words, trust is based on belief, but it's the functioning of trust and my comfort and my security of trust that actually gets the system moving and things begin to work. And And God is more involved in my life because I've asked him to be more involved in my life. And things are not left up to being seemingly more haphazard. right? But the things do function more clearly. Now, here's the interesting point. Right? Here's the interesting point. There is a, it, Because trust is not only an intellectual concept with an application to daily life, but it also defines the quality of a relationship between man and God in terms of the security and the sense that I feel that God's taking care and God's doing that which is right this is an ever changing situation it doesn't stay the same every day in other, words, in other words in other words in other words i can i can intellectually believe God's involvement i can then try to apply it And then after I have applied it, I might not be happy with the result. And and after not being happy with the result, I might be in a state of revolt. I might be in a state of, well, I don't understand this and to heck with it and, you know, who's interested and so on and so forth. And then I go into a state of revolt. Now, it's like a heartbeat, trust, and the relationship that it creates. And when I go into a state of revolt, the conditions... The conditions change. In other words, it's an ever-changing condition depending upon the the sense of comfort that I have, the sense of security that I have at any time in this trust. In other words, the person that stands up one morning, one fine morning, and says, yes, I believe all of these precepts of God, and now I'm going to apply it. After a day, or after a week, he's not the same person, either for better or for worse, because what happens is that, in terms of his being able to come to, 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 being able to deal with the issues of the application, he either moves up in his level of trust and the relationship becomes a more binding relationship, or he moves a step away from it because he feels frustrated, he doesn't understand it, he has questions, he's angry, quote unquote, and he, so to speak, moves a step away from it. So, one of the most sensitive areas in terms of growth in spiritual growth and how it vacillates so quickly is in trust because the, the ability to make peace with the situation after all of after all of the of knowing God's decree and after making my channels is a big challenge right and that's why the Chavos says number one I know that it's completely in God's hands on the other side I know that I have to make the channels right but what the there's a first quality which is in, important in terms of preserving the momentum of the relationship that's created through trust, and that is, <laughs> that God's choice after everything is said and done is the one that, if I fully understand it or not, is the one which is good for me. In other words, I know it's completely in God's hands, I know that I have to make the challenges, but that, then when I reach a wall, when I reach a barrier... I always remind myself of one thing, right? that there is the possibility that there are decisions that are being made for me which are for my good that I don't necessarily understand. In other words, that, that, that possibility. Right? And in other words, always reminding myself of that possibility. Yes, it's in God's hands. Yes, I have to make my channels. But after everything is said and done, being able to cope with the result by saying to myself these words, Shabkhiriz habar Lahi <laughs> That ultimately it's God's choice. Right? It's His decree, it's His choice. My channel is only, I'm trying to predict what His choice is. But I don't know what His choice is. I'm predicting it and trying to establish the channel. There was a question? So, it's me to comprehend that if you're, you're supposed to be working with complete trust in Hashem, and no matter what you try, everything you do fails. You open the business. And you some people are continually moving out to charity and a very devoted uh extreme trust in the show. It's really hard for me to understand why people that, that are putting all their trust in them doesn't give them an indication as to what happens Okay, that's a ve- that's a very it's a very legitimate question. And the truth is that we've dealt with it. It's also tapes ago We've dealt no, it's it's un- no, it's a it's a very logical question. You know, it's understandable, but uh, we've dealt with the, with the question in the past, and the the Chavos says that there 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 are numerous considerations involved in, in why sort of things things happen or don't happen, or why the person doesn't get an indication of which particular thing he's supposed to be going into. The Chavos does deal with it, and maybe at, you know maybe at another opportunity, or you know you can lend the tape. We go through it, but uh, but he does deal he does deal very specifically with that question. All right, now let's go to part three. He is required to now choose the particular channel which he believes to be the most appropriate one. And then God will move into the decision that He made and enact within the decision that He's made as a channel what is appropriate for Him. What would this be compared to? Just in case we think that this is a weird concept, let's give a, a, a very simple example of it. Even though a person's days and years are, are completely tied to God's deciding how long he should live. Nonetheless, a person has a responsibility to, to go after that which will give him food and drink and clothes and a place to live to, in the, in the measure of his necessity. And he shouldn't leave this up to God, Shi and he'll say, in Habare, Nafshi,,. He shouldn't say that if it was in the decree of God that I should live, I will live, and I therefore have no responsibility to feed myself And I won't bother myself with pursuing that which is necessary to make the money to buy the food to eat. And similarly, a person should not take poison or put himself in the danger of fighting with lions and, uh, and vicious animals unless he's put into that position. He throws himself into an ocean or into a fire. The and Benashay, and all other circumstances that he has virtually no reason to believe that he's going to be saved from danger. Now, unwittingly, the Chavos is presenting an interesting question, which, is, which brings to surface some of what we struggle with in the concept of Bittachon. It's all in God's hands, right? It's all God's decree, right? So, if God meant me to live X amount of years what difference does it make what I do or what I don't do? What difference does it make if I eat or if I don't eat? If I get myself into a dangerous situation or not? It's all in God's decree. So what difference does it all make? right? Now, obviously,